0: Hotelier, former Green Beret, keynote speaker, best-selling author. I can go on for a while, and that's what this episode is bringing for episode 250. Thank you to everyone who is a loyal listener to this show and all of the amazing guests who have taken the time to join this community. And for today's show, I have to thank Joe DiChiara, someone I met through cold networking and now through cold networking again. Here we are with Larry Joe's company has been on the episode at some point, Bedrock Business Builders, you've heard all about them. Be sure to check out what he does, all his great work. But for today, I want to introduce Larry Broughton as he joins me for this 250th show. He has received the Entrepreneur of the Year Award by Ernst & Young, National Business Leader of Integrity Award by Paskeys Foundation, the Vetrepreneur of the Year Award of the National Veteran-Owned Business Association, among many others. And specifically, he is bringing his 30 plus years of leadership, corporate, and entrepreneurial experience with outstanding ability to do the following spot emerging trends, identify and solve strategic obstacles and challenges, identify and develop, leverage strategic opportunities, and build highly elite teams. And he also has a lot of specialties. So stay tuned for these because he's going to add value throughout the show. Increasing your market share. Value of hospitality projects, strategic vision development for entrepreneurs, companies, and nonprofits. He does it all. And since we have this all-star in the hotel world on the show today, we're going to look at the entrepreneurial journey of Caesar Ritz for this week's spotlight story. It's going to be a great one. But without further wait, Larry, it's great to see you.
1: <laughs> Congratulations, Vince. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. 250.
1: Great. That's a milestone, dude.
0: I'm excited about it at first. You should was just- be excited a season or two and then it evolved to just being connected with so many great entrepreneurs and now we have the chance to sit down with you so thanks again for coming on my pleasure
1: my pleasure let's have some fun
0: absolutely let's let's take it back a little bit have some fun with this right. question why did you become an entrepreneur at the very start what led you to this journey
1: oh jeez <laughs> so you know i guess i've always had this business ownership bug you know i was that kid in school who would buy a pack of gum and sell off individual sticks for more than they were (laughs) in in the whole pack. Right. Um, But I've always appreciated and respected the work ethic of blue collar folks like my parents, you know, who just busted their hump to make ends meet. But I was always fascinated by those um, people who had a vision, try to create something and then make it reality. So after my time in special forces um, in the army, I worked at this uh, small little no-tell motel um, and um, I ended up becoming a partner in that company. We renovated that hotel, turned it into what's considered one of the first boutique hotels in the country. Uh, I was there for 14 years um, and even though I was a partner, I had an equity position in the, the management company and in several of the hotels, it kind of hit me that I'm still acting in an employee kind of capacity and so I recognized that I'm built like a primary leader, but I was stuck into a secondary leadership role. And so from there, I launched out on my very own and started my own hotel company. Hello, What was the original name of your first company? Is it the same name it is today? No, the, the first company where I was a partner was called Joie de Vivre Hotels, um, merged with a couple of other companies. And ultimately, they were purchased by Hyatt Hotels several years ago. Uh-huh. So that was a good exit strategy.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, congratulations that on that early success. And now everything you're doing...
1: Everyone listening on, this is That Entrepreneur Show. You got a
0: preview of what is to come. We have Larry here with us again for episode 250. And I would like to thank everyone once again for tuning in week after week to hear from all of these incredible entrepreneurs. And if today happens to be your first show with us, this is the show where I sit down with founders of companies and brands from all around the world each week to share their stories and help you on your journeys. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders a small business startup specialist, start, build, manage. We've got a preview of what Larry's going to offer today, but now we're going to switch it up a bit. What is one book workshop tool app, anything you use that can help our community of entrepreneurs succeed?
1: With the exception of, I suppose, some spiritual text, I don't think there's just one leadership book or program that's going to transform any, anyone one's life. Um, You know, uh, the ability to do the hard right over the the easy wrong, the ability to be tenacious um, is really powerful. There's a lot of talented people out there who give up events when the going gets tough, right? And they fall short of their dreams. Um, One of my self-mantras is tenacity eats talent for lunch. Um, And so sometimes you just got to be gritty enough to fight on, right? Uh, But since you asked uh, for one to get us started... Uh, maybe it would be a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, I think it's Patrick Lencioni is the author of that. It's both a leadership fable as well as a business handbook that I think should be required reading for every entrepreneur. So it's called The uh, "The Five Dysfunctions of a Team.
0: Everyone out there, be sure to add that to your queue. Thank you for that advice. And tenacity is everything. The work ethic wanting to quit happens Almost every five seconds in this business, something's going to keep going wrong, but just eye on the prize and it will work out. I'm confident in that. Let's talk more about your business, Larry, your current business right now. Everyone listening on who hasn't been familiarized with it, let's start them
1: off. Yeah, well, I've got several businesses. I've got a pretty successful coaching and mentoring business, and we also do corporate training on the topics of leadership, um, entrepreneurship, team building, Uh, those sorts of uh, things. And we've worked with everyone from, you know, entrepreneurial startups to Pfizer, Time Warner, the Pentagon. Um, And so um, the the, the interesting thing is that this uh, entrepreneurial mindset is important, even in large institutional fortune 50 Mm -hmm. and governmental agencies, right? We need problem solvers uh, in these organizations. And I think that's, the pl- not the plight, that's the mission of every entrepreneur, to solve problems, mm-hmm. right? So I do that. Um, I'm a prolific writer. I've got a few books that are out there. I write a lot for um, a couple of magazines. So that's a little business that I do. Um, and the great thing about that, I would encourage any entrepreneur, including you, is to get that darn book written because it lends credibility. You, It's a sense of accomplishment it can tell some story about what you do, what you believe, who you are, and it can increase your profile and credibility. So I'm a big believer in that. Uh, the primary thing that I do though is um, where I spend much of my time is on the, on the hotel side. Yep. And so, uh, we've been around since 2001, um, and have just weathered the storms, of the ups and downs of the, the economic cycle. And so prior to the pandemic, we had over 20 hotels in the portfolio And like every other hotel company out there, except for, well, even the big ones have lost market share, lost value, right? But there's been a lot of consolidation in the industry, Uh, but we have uh, weathered the storm, lost a lot of assets. However, Um, we're down to four hotels that are in the portfolio, but uh, we're currently developing um, some uh, acquisition vehicles to go on a big uh, buying spree, shall we say? all um, right in the next uh, probably uh, 24 months so we're pretty excited pretty excited about that well i look forward to of course having
0: on writing with authors this is going to be a preview for that to talk about okay. all of larry's great books and i agree with the books it was a sense of definitely accomplishment credibility i use that as a business card in a yeah. way too to connect with people of course at first First time author, I'm thinking this book's going to make me some great cash and I'm going to do this, this, this. But <laughs> yes, for me, getting in the speaking, this is my my way into the schools now getting my book into the students. That is book sales, but it helps me in much different ways. I think you can agree with that.
1: Well, of course, listen, unless you're Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or someone like yeah. that, who's going to get a huge advance. Yeah, on the book. I think most people, you have to understand, as a as an author, you're not going to make money on the book. It's what it's the doors that that book is going to open for you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the key.
0: I love the way you put that, and I couldn't agree with you more. It's I always excite I find a sense of ease when I'm writing, and writing does a lot yeah. for me as just a person, but. Today, we're talking about entrepreneurship, and I, <laughs> and I can go on many different angles that you, Larry, all that you've accomplished with all these different businesses. But as far as general entrepreneurship, something we can help everyone out here, not just those in hotels or coaching, what are the more challenging parts of being on your own, running your
1: own show? Oh, gosh. Well, right now, they change, right? Depending on what's going on in the, in the economic and political cycle, right? The two things that I think I'm finding most challenging is Number one, the recruitment and development of powerful teams. Um, Something has happened with work ethic. Something has happened with people's willingness to even show up for interviews, um, let alone showing up for um, they're given the job, offered the job, and then showing up. Story after story, if you're a business owner, you've probably heard these things or seen this thing happen. You get somebody, you, you do this big recruitment, you finally hire somebody, they show up, you do a little bit of training, they go to do a restroom break, and they never come back we hear it over and over again. Um, I'm not seeing that side of it so much, but I do hear it um, that there's a lot of people who just don't understand the value of hard work. So that's one thing. Um, I, but by the way, I think there's value in all work. I I don't care whether you're a you know, you're cleaning sewers or there's value there. And I think you learn a lot of lessons from that. And for some reason, there is a certain segment of our population who hasn't quite captured that yet. Um, So there's that. And the other challenge is just frankly dealing with what I believe is government overreach and the disdain that many of our politicians have for business owners, setting the business owners up as the bad guys in society, when the truth is it's the business owners that are creating jobs. It's not the government that's creating jobs, just the business owners that are creating jobs, which fuels the economy. Right. And um, and I don't know where these politicians and government officials have have gone astray but the truth is that it's entrepreneurship it's capitalism that's lifted more people out of poverty in the last 40 years than any other governmental program so um so it's the recruiting and development of uh team members and then dealing with what i think is sinful gov- government overreach into the business arena
0: It's interesting you bring up the government part. I was just speaking with some family about how a lot of things in government just haven't evolved over 100 years, even financial institutions. Now that reports, people are speaking, of, there are better ways to invest your money in the bank, or the bank has basically been legally using your money to pay someone else or legally using your money to lend. But if you do it, you're a criminal.
1: Exactly. Yes. And I like the air quotes around legally. Yeah, you're right. right. It's disgusting.
0: It's a crazy world we're living in, but yeah. Hopefully, uh, we keep to see great small businesses and business owners continue to provide jobs, flood this economy, and right in- inspiring so many people because it is not easy. And that's one of the main goals of this show, to let everyone out there know you are not alone on this business journey. And I think it's a great time now to head into this week's Spotlight Story. Again, we're going to look at Caesar Ritz, the legacy of the king of the hoteliers. And then we're going to get... Larry's take on his story, maybe something to add here. And the article starts where Ritz coined the phrase, the customer's always right, helping to transform the hospitality industry forever. A hundred years after his death, his legacy does still live on and he is known as the king of hoteliers and his legend in the world of hospitality and his last name is synonymous with luxury in many countries around the world. 2018 marked the 100th anniversary of his death But his incredibly creative and legendary pioneer of the hospitality industry will not be easily forgotten. And here's a quick overview of his rocky start, which I think is important to include in this write-up for everyone listening on. His origins are quite distant from the glitz and glitter that characterizes the Ritz Hotels. The youngest of 13 children, he was born in 1850 in the Swiss village of Niederwald to a family of poor peasants, and his success was the result of a long and continuous effort. Despite the humble condition of his family, Ritz's sharpness did not go unnoticed, where his mother saw him in a lot of creative potential and insisted he continue education. At the age of 12, Ritz was sent to a French-speaking boarding school in Sion, run by Jesuit fathers, but the young Caesar showed little interest in the subjects that were taught by professors. At 15, his father decided to move him to Brig, to apprentice as a sommelier at a hotel. Unfortunately, Caesar didn't seem to be much appreciated by his superiors and was dismissed by the patron of the hotel who declared this. Then he went over to Paris, conquered Europe, where Ritz moved a lot in these years in Europe, I learned, manages some of the most prestigious hotels in Europe. And during the world exhibition in 1873 in Vienna, he rubbed elbows with one of the most prominent political figures of the time, such as the Prince of Wales. In 1874, he traveled to the stunning Rigi Combe Hotel in Lake Lucerne. I could be pronouncing these wrong. Lucerne. Lucerne, where he, he amazed his guests with his avant garde and extravagant ideas, like making brass plants pots for radiators when the heating stopped working or saving the Grand National Hotel from bankruptcy by motivating the staff with an innovative performance and reward system. Now you're thinking this is all the way back then. These things are still true. Right. And before we sign off here, we're going to touch on one more area we're from titled From Manager to Owner to Savior. In the 1880s, Caesar Ritz's life further changed and evolved. He met Marie Lois Beck, the daughter of a hotelier who became his loving wife and the mother of two sons. He also bought two businesses, the Restaurant de la Conservation in Baden-Baden, Germany, and the Hotel de Provence in France. Thanks to this experience, intuition, and creativity, he quickly attracted important guests such as the German Kaiser and the Italian Prime Minister. And with them came great success and international recognition to the point where he was called to hotels of the highest caliber, such as the Savoy in London, where he sh- where the structure was undergoing a difficult time and was facing bankruptcy. Needless to say, he did bring back the hotel to its former glory. Larry, what's some takeaways from this article, some insight?
1: All right, so th- this story, um, most hoteliers know this, this story, right? It's, it's so freaking inspiring. And the legacy that this guy built beyond his own life is I think what a lot of us aspire to, right? Like what's what can I leave behind? Yeah. You know, what impact am I going to have uh on, on the world? I think the key takeaway for me, because I just resonate with it, is that he didn't let his humble beginnings prevent him from, you know, reaching for the stars um what's not in that story is a lot of the failures that he had along the way you touched on a little bit about how he was kind of ostracized and people like who are you you're a country bumpkin that that, that, (laughs) that that kind of kind of kind of thing right but he didn't let that keep him in his little village he dreamt big and he moved and he was willing to do the hard right to to achieve his dreams um so i think that lesson can be applied to uh to anyone you know, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur to think, okay, do the hard right over the easy wrong, right? Um, but to think about building a legacy, that's that's powerful stuff. That's the stuff I think about every single day, right? And he was transformational for the hospitality industry, for, for sure. Now, in the old days when there was a level of civility in our in societies, the thing the, the concept of the customer is always right was an easy thing to get you know but now because of this and I, i'm plenty of entrepreneur forums who don't like that all oh, caesar said that because now every customer believes that they're right no matter what happens and they abuse it yes yes <laughs> And so what we have to do in our organization and in some of the organizations that I go help train is to help the team members who are customer facing be able to you know, dodge the slings and arrows that customers and clients are throwing their way nowadays just so they, they can kind of get over and get a discount on their bill and all that kind of stuff. And, and so. to be honest, before I had re- read this write up,
0: I didn't know that he was responsible for that term, that slogan, yes. because and it is. You know, very much abuse. I mean, I can see abuse as when I was working in hospitality, in the restaurants, so pretty much every facet where they'll try to get one over on you. But Larry, I'm glad this story resonated with you. That is my yeah. goal here. And I will flash back the audience for all of the new listeners. When I first started this show, it was really me picking famous entrepreneurial journeys, not having... Much thought into if it will resonate. Until I started having some shows where, well, you know what, Vin, this story doesn't mean that much to me, and you know, it's oh. a learning, it's a learning, it's a learning lesson because yeah, yeah, they couldn't provide the value to my audience I intended for. But speaking of le- le- lessons learned, Larry, what's one of your lessons learned throughout your career in entrepreneurship that you can help our audience out with from learning?
1: Well, we kind of touched on it a little bit, and that is, um, it's a simple concept but it's not easy um but that the entrepreneurial journey is hard work entrepreneurship can grind you down you've got to be tenacious um and like any difficult task um it's best to have someone helping you if you got to go chop a cord of wood boy if you could have a little partner there with you or you could have a coach saying hey swing the axe this way make sure you sharpen it before you go out there um then, um, so having a team, being tenacious, build inspired teams of warriors who are going to help you achieve your goals. Um, and and along with that is to just remember that if it's worth having, Vincent, it's worth fighting for, right? And in spite of the struggle, in spite of the heartache, entrepreneurship could be one of the most exciting and rewarding things that you ever do. Mm. And when it's done right, it'll bring freedom uh to your life um the legacy that most non-entrepreneurs will ever understand
0: i'm looking forward to that transition into the freedom side i know that the work has to be hard and i know it's not going to be easy i had advice for one of my earliest coaches mentors lee he said vin in entrepreneurship it might take it could take 10 years before you really you you, it could be more and i'm like but at first, of course, I wrote my book. I speak in my MBA commencement. I'm getting two thousand for this speaking gig, too 2 two. I'm like, why would I do anything for free if I'm getting this, all, all these little lessons learned because of a quick quick pop, I could say. And then yeah. you settle into the faint realities of entrepreneurship that it is gonna be constant grinding down and it is it has taken quite a toll on me for sure yeah. and but the problem is or I wouldn't call it a problem is it's still not even getting it's still not even just getting started you know so it's going to be <laughs> a lot of being grinded down Larry
1: that 10-year overnight success right <laughs> and I'm
0: I'm, you know I'm optimistic that I you yeah. know it, it's coming soon that that overnight knock that overnight pop it's coming I just have yeah. to stick to the script and keep uh Keep believing myself and surrounding myself, Agreed. as you touched on a few times, surrounding yourself with great people in your corner, supportive individuals. Um, before I let you go, Larry, yeah. my favorite question, uh-huh. someone you haven't met, which entrepreneur throughout history, dead or alive, are you choosing to have a conversation with, <laughs> sit down with?
1: All right. So I think about this often, and this may surprise a lot of your, your listeners. Abraham Lincoln. I love it. You said entrepreneur. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. He was the only U.S. president to ever receive a patent. He invented this device that lifted riverboats over sandbars. Really? Oh, yeah. See, that's my point. But he also owned a general store. He ran a log store. Yes, part. Right. And he became this uh, symbol of perseverance and defying the odds and always rising up in the face of failure. And if you look over my shoulder here, you'll see a bust of Abraham Lincoln sitting over here. I um, love it. It was given to me as a gift by uh, my team member several years ago. So Abraham Lincoln.
0: Love the choice. Now let's delve a bit deeper. Where are you going to sit down with Abe?
1: Oh my goodness. I would love to sit around a campfire out in the woods mm-hmm. where he loved to be. You know. Something to me, there's something about men sitting around a campfire and sharing stories, you know, where you can go much deeper than if you're sitting in some fancy restaurant with white tablecloths.
0: Why also like the what you said right there at the end, because that's where he feels comfortable. Yeah. That's what he likes to do. You're looking to pick his brain. You want him to feel comfortable at ease. Thank you for that. And Larry, yeah. thank you for an awesome show. Episode 250. I appreciate your time coming on. Can you please let everyone listening on, viewing on for the YouTube clips, know where they can find more about you, your companies, your books, all of that.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, the easiest way is to just go to my personal website, which is thelarrybroughton.com. And I'm on most of the social media platforms just at Larry Broughton. All right, head to
0: thelarrybroughton.com. His social is the same name. And I am at Vincent A. Lansing on all social media and YouTube. Be sure to head to YouTube to look at a behind the scenes video clip of this show. And the show is at That Entrepreneur Show and hashtag That Entrepreneur Show. We are signing off. Larry, I look forward to seeing you on Writing with Authors soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Ben.